Because I wanted to know if you were weird. No, no, you're the other kind of weird. different in that I never wake up to have to pee. I pee when I get up, when I go to take a shower in the morning. That's the first thing I do is pee. And so then that's when I, it's like I have to get out of bed to have my body register. But as soon as I do, it's where it hits the, the privates, I'll say. And it's like in pain all of a sudden. It's like, oh, I must have had to pee for a really long time. And my body's just like, no, leave us alone. We're sleeping. It's like my body's in constant <laughs> torture fight with itself. And just can't be arsed to get out of bed. So it's like, no, shut up. Just deal with it. We're going to keep him sleeping. You just deal with the pain in your peeper. This is what pisses me off, is when my body doesn't realize that it's supposed to be a team. I agree. Like, this whole concept of your body fighting yourself strikes me as very true to life. Because I go through that, too. And it's stupid. And why make the peeper suffer? That's everyone's favorite part. We all love the peeper. <laughs> we makes this sound like the rest of your body is the the, the studio audience. <laughs> it's just waiting for <laughs> the peeper, which is Kramer, to come sliding on camera <laughs> through the door. Hey, it's the peeper. We all love the peeper. Clap for the peeper. Oh. I was thinking of more of like a TV show where David Letterman is the peeper. What do you think Seinfeld is? <laughs> I get it. You mean like a TV show that actually stars an actual personality, but Seinfeld's a TV show. All right, go ahead with your David Letterman analogy for my peeper. We're not the studio audience. My elbows aren't in the back like, ooh, we've saved up for years to come to New York to see the peeper. No, they are all part of a crew that are working together. My legs are Paul Schaefer, and my butt is the guy doing the cue cards. Like, we're all working together. It's just the peeper is the main attraction. And when he succeeds, we all succeed. Have you not seen a late night show since David Letterman was on? Paul Schaefer and David Letterman are no longer a team. I get that, but I like David Letterman. He was my idol at one point. I wanted to be the next David Letterman. Okay, so you're right. The team working on this. So it's the team of the the rest of the cast and the light riggers and everybody. When the peeper gets an Emmy, we all get an Emmy. You're just lying to yourself. The peeper's the star. The peeper's eventually going to get popular enough to leave you behind. Wait, now we're in an analogy where my penis has left me. Yeah, the peeper ain't going nowhere. The peeper is nothing without us. It is a team effort. Peeper may reap the most obvious benefits. This analogy is getting away from both of us, and I request a redo. I disagree. No, I think we can bring it back, because the peeper does go into business for itself during the night. That's true. Because you'll wake up and be like, something happened. What's going on here? This is not what the rest of us did last night. <laughs> I've thought about that. Like, if the things that happened to David Letterman happened to the other parts of my body, like if I just woke up one morning and my arm was twice the size as it was when I went to bed, I'd be pissed off and confused. But when it happens to the Letterman, it's okay. <laughs> we all understand that he's the star. and it, it's, He's allowed to go out on a bender. I never, ever thought I would compare my penis to David Letterman. And I know that David Letterman is your comparison in this case, but I refuse to compare your penis to anything, so... <laughs> So I agreed to uh, do something for my church. 
since lockdown began, they've been doing these staff devotionals. And they put these up on YouTube. And then finally, they started signing up members to do it. And then I got contacted to do one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. That'd be great. And then the process becomes, okay, so I just got this awesome new phone. I got the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra, which has an awesome camera on it. So I'm like, I got to show that off. <laughs> I don't care what else happens with this. I don't care who might find God through the words that I share. This has to be done in high res 4K video and audio. Oh, okay. I thought you were just like going to be like, as the good book says. Actually, I forgot. Let me reach into my pocket and pull out my new phone and look it up. No, no. It's, it's Thou recording shalt on that, not so I... covet if you know what I mean. Wink. You can't covet this because they're sold out. <laughs> Even the good lord's not going to help you get one of these bad boys this year. <laughs> so, when you were in high school, how did you and your friends resolve disputes about who got shotgun? It was definitely an alpha dog, and he was bigger for the most part, and he was definitely the one that was like, if he said he got shotgun, then he got shotgun because he could beat the rest of us up. But there was no formal arbitration process or anything like that. No, we, we didn't really have a thing. It was kind of, if you are not happy with somebody in the group, then just leave for the day and come back tomorrow. <laughs> That's perfectly reasonable. We were a little more... We had a system, and that system was parking lot sumo wrestling. Okay. Did you get the suits? Did the suits exist back then? I don't know. So you just would draw a circle in the parking lot, and you just sumo it out on the concrete. Yeah, we would just find the closest empty parking spot, and the two people who disputed the situation would square up. We did what we thought was a sumo thing. It was like a very inappropriate combination of the sumo stomp and the haka, and then we would smash into each other, and whoever could push the other one out first would get shotgun. Okay. So what is the group size we're talking about here? We would grow between three people to ten people. I was just understood that this is how we sell our disputes. First rule about Sumo Club, tell everyone about Sumo Club because we're really into Sumo Club. Second rule, don't call it Sumo Club. That's offensive to the people that actually like Sumo. <laughs> so we've heard. I remember I watched a thing about the American Sumo Wrestling Championship on ESPN late one night. I'm like, oh, I get it now. Just one dude pushes the other dude out of a circle. Okay. I can do that. And I told my friends about it. And they're like, this is how we live our lives now is we just push each other out of shapes. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> You're so close to forming UFC, but not quite there. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're fighting in the hexagon. Nope, not quite. More sides. Uh, decagon. Nope, again, so close. <laughs> It worked great for a while, but then one of my friends just started, you know, every group of high schoolers has to have a fat friend. He grew into that role. And so he became very good at parking lot sumo. He would eat Honda your ass. Yeah. <laughs> the fast hands. It's like, oh, God. Okay, you get shotgun. I don't care anymore. Just go to McDonald's. Jesus. He also played offensive line for the high school football team. So he'd just like square up and just yeet you right out of that spot. And he would never call shotgun. He would always call challenge because that was more fun <laughs> to bring a conclusion to this whole parking lot sumo club. It definitely sounds like a Hardy Boys novel. <laughs> parking lot sumo club. What the hell was wrong with them? We think they were all on drugs. It's more of a Dr. Phil just kind of like, can you fix these kids? <laughs> this is how they solve their problems. So my one friend was definitely the, the king. He was our Yokozuna. He was the one who could get what he wanted because he was the big guy so one time 
my friend who never called shotgun called shotgun. And of course, big guys like challenge. And we're like, ooh, this will be interesting. He never does it. It's a little wiry kid going up against the big guy. Anything can happen in Parking Lot Sumo Club. And then anything did happen in Parking Lot Sumo Club. My big friend sets up in his football stance and he goes at it. And my little friend whips out a switchblade <laughs> and pointed it at the big guy who just went and jumped out of the ring because dude brought a knife to a sumo fight. <laughs> um. And then uh, once you get to the place wherever you were going, you all had a secret little meeting and you kicked him out. <laughs> no, we thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> you probably could have taken him, dude. He's like, yeah, but what if I didn't? He had a knife. It's not worth it to sit in the front seat of the car. No, it's not. Truly, you are the biggest and the wisest of us. Okay, we're having fun. This is a dumb sumo thing that we're doing. Oh, who gets the front seat? And then he has to whip out a knife. And it's like, well, nobody beats knife. I'm sorry. We're all playing rock, paper, scissors. You brought out a knife. And we can't win, so you get front seat all the time. Until you all start bringing knives, and that's just a knife fight. <laughs> then we become parking lot knife fight club. <laughs> oh, that's why I didn't do extracurriculars in high school. We had all just seen the untouchables. We're like, well, he brought a knife, so now one of us has to bring a gun. And then Columbine happened, and we didn't. <laughs> Dude, Columbine changed a lot of things for our generation. Oh, yeah. There was a quiet kid that everybody made fun of that always wore a trench coat. And he kept wearing a trench coat after Columbine happened. And I remember sitting there with my friends at lunch, like we always would do. And he, you know, walked by and somebody else made fun of him. It wasn't us, but somebody else made fun of him. And we laughed because that's what you did uh, as terrible high school kids. And the vice principal walked over and he was just like, you guys better watch it. If you're not careful, he's going to do one of those Columbines on us. I did my walk around with my hands in the air moment. I was like, good <laughs> lord. That was actually the question I was going to ask. Is, do you pee on your feet and does it prevent athlete's foot? Because I don't know if that's a thing. Do I look like enough of an athlete that would have an, uh, an athlete's foot to bother with? You don't have to be an athlete to get athlete's foot. It helps. <laughs> just like you don't have to be married to get ringworm. <laughs> the, the bumper stickers just write themselves. No, I write them. <laughs> Sorry, Steve just writes the bumper stickers. Axe throwing is dope. I was so excited when she suggested axe throwing because... I'm sure this will come as a surprise to no one. As a dumb hit growing up in Idaho, I threw axes. <laughs> this was very much a thing me and my friends did constantly when we were out camping. So you're bringing knowledge to this axe throwing? I'm stoked. This is my element. The guy takes us down there and it was us and there's a couple other couples down there. And the guy goes, now for safety's sake, if the axe has a blue handle, you have to throw it two-handed. I'm like, two-handed for pussies. <laughs> <laughs> I... I... A, you sound like Thor in the first <laughs> Thor movie. <laughs> B, I hope you blurted that out out loud. I was with my wife. I was on company manners. I like to think that this brought out a manliness in you that you didn't even know was buried <laughs> until you see the axe. All right, so this one you're going to want to throw two-handed. Two-handedness for pussies. <laughs> that man over there, look at him. I can see his labia sticking out already. <laughs> Give me that axe. <laughs> oh, this is a heavy one. So he shows us how to do it. The whole time I'm just thinking, I don't need this instruction. I'm good to go. 
I take my first throw, doesn't go in. I'm like, I need to take half a step back because I'm a little too close. It didn't rotate enough. I know what I'm doing. And my wife throws hers and it splats and doesn't do anything. So I take my second throw. <laughs> Dead center bullseye. Just kind of shaking my shoulders. I'm like, that's a dumb hick from Idaho for you. We know what we're doing. We had very little to do in Idaho. I got good at throwing axes. I did. I'm a serial murderer. I could be. Yeah, that would be my guess. Is that somebody comes in and it's like, oh, I'm really good at this already. Watch this. I'm like, okay, you leave. You did not look at the fine print. <laughs> Must be bad at this. Yeah, if you're also su- if you're already super good at this, you're on a watch list. Leave. So we continue throwing axes, and I thought back to the person who taught me how to throw axes because now I had to teach my wife how to throw axes. Okay, first, I need to tell a story about how bad my wife is at throwing. Like period or axes? Period. Okay. We had just bought our first house. This was back in Utah. And a friend of ours came over and he's like, I'm going to help you winterize your house. Me and him were up on our roof. Uh, My wife comes out. I was like, you guys doing okay? Like, yeah, we're doing fine. But we actually need that screwdriver right there. Can you chuck it up to us? She's like, no, I don't throw. Everyone throws. Just throw that up here. She's like, okay. You know the granny shot when you're playing basketball? Yes, tried and true. It's a classic technique that is used by people who can't throw to throw. Correct. Because it's easier. It's not better. It's less powerful. It's less accurate. But it is easier than the overhand throw. So she's like, I'm going to granny throw it up there. So she goes out. She's on the sidewalk. One, two, three. And she heaved it with all her might. And it landed on the sidewalk on the other side of the street behind her. (laughs) So this is the kind of throwing that I'm taking to this axe-throwing date. And so as we go, I throw, stick it in. My wife throws, flunks. I throw, flunk. Sticks it in. She throws, bang, 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 bounces all over the place. But as the night progresses, she finds her rhythm. And she starts to nail it time and time again. And I'm so proud of her. I'm so happy for her. And then the worst thing imaginable happens. I start to miss. That's not the worst thing imaginable. I thought you dropped an axe on your foot and lost a toe. (laughs) No, no, this is worse. I'm starting to lose, Jason. She's doing better than me at this thing that I taught her. And by now, more people have come down and are watching her, and they're like, wow, this Asian girl is amazing at throwing axes, unlike her stupid white husband who can't (laughs) stick anything in. So did you have a final score? The guy did teach us how to keep score, but I wasn't keeping score. I was just focusing on having a good time. And then as we're walking out, I'm like talking to my wife who's kind of bouncing and really happy. And and I'm like, did you have a good time? And she's like, of course. I have a good time every time I beat you. I'm like, what do you mean beat me? She's like, I beat you. (laughs) No. (laughs) We're driving home. We're talking about other things. We get back. I'm putting my daughter to bed. She's putting the son to bed. And I walk in to my son's room. And he's like, dad, did mom beat you? And I'm looking at him like, we didn't keep score. And my son shouts out. Mom's always keeping score. (laughs) So she knows when she beats you. It's really important to her, Dad. She journals about it. much that whole show around is like hey what if you used a dinosaur to do this that's the flintstone beyond sitcom but set in the stone age that's what the flintstones is we get to see the woolly mammoth doing the dishes hey it's a living (laughs) 
was always like some prehistoric animal looking at the camera like, it's a living. No, it's not. You're a slave, you stupid pterodactyl. Fight for your rights. (laughs) They took you over. They subjugated you so you could vacuum the floor. Go eat them. You are the apex predator in this situation. Why have you been subjugated? Oh, Bon. The washer got all uppity again this afternoon. (laughs) Decided to eat pebbles. few months prior i had ordered a new phone and they said uh we don't have the one you want is it all right if we send you the blue one instead of the white i'm like yeah that's fine i'm not that guy i pride myself on not being that guy this whole conversation is just making my skin crawl just so you know (laughs) (laughs) there's no compromises here See, this is why I'm the way I am, is because I've talked to you so much that I just need to be the opposite. I always ask myself, what would Jason do? And then I do the opposite. (laughs) He would pitch a fit about this, so I won't. My WWJD bracelet. (laughs) Yeah, I know what it really means. This one helps me live a better life. (laughs) Shut up. For the longest time, I thought Vancouver was the same sort of situation, because I knew there was a Vancouver, Washington and a Vancouver, Canada. So I assumed it was that, oh, that it must be bordered. Yeah, it was on the border. No, <laughs> they're two different cities and they're on opposite sides of Washington. I had no idea until I moved here. I can drive north for three hours and get to Vancouver or I can drive south for three hours and get to Vancouver. And they're different Vancouvers. <laughs> That's stupid. I mean, the person that named everything, yes, they were stupid. Looking at you, God. <laughs> God doesn't name cities. <laughs> And he hasn't for 5,000 years. Like, maybe sign on. <laughs> I was just hoping you'd go along with even minuscule way on that. But no, you denied me. And also, don't forget, finish Link to the Past. Yes. I want you to report back when that happens so we can hear all about your... your uh... Facing my childhood demons. This is a thing that has bothered me. This has been tough. It's been a really bad year. I need to defeat the sorcerer Aganim or whatever his name is. Aganim is my COVID. I mean, COVID is also my COVID, but... No, no, you said it. Good job. I mean, there's differences between sons and daughters, and I'm getting to the point now where I fear that difference more than ever before, because stereotypically, this is all stereotypically, there are always going to be exceptions, and different boys do different things, and different girls do different things, and some people aren't boys or girls. All that's out in the open. Okay. There are certain things that generally boys do differently than girls, and the general stereotype is that boys are worse from age 0 to 10, and then girls are worse from age 10 to 18. Yes. And... My son is starting to puberty out all over the place. And. <laughs> oh, son, get that off the table. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm pubertying out. He's just having emotional outbursts, is what I mean. And yeah, I will go in, I will father, I will parent like a boss, and I will resolve the conflicts. I will bring peace between my family. And I'm like, nailed it. And then I look at my daughter and I'm like, in four years, you're going to destroy me. <laughs> There will be nothing I can do to stop you. (laughs) Yeah, and that's where my daughter is at right now. She's only in third grade where I feel like that shouldn't start yet, but I don't know if the pandemic brought it on earlier or what, but it's a terror in a lot of ways. And 
then I look at him and he's a terror in a different way. And it's just like, oh. You had your kids out of order. You have a boy first so that you don't have both bad at the same time. You did it backwards. My apologies. I didn't know that. Let me reverse time and talk to my wife's vagina and say, (laughs) okay, now listen. Here's the deal. You know it's not her fault. It comes down to you. Okay. Your semen's what made her a girl. I need to look down and have a talk. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys, here's the deal. I know you want to output a (laughs) yaya, but we need you to put out a wee-wee first. (laughs) I don't know why I assume my sperm are simpler creatures, so they need to hear it in simpler terms. (laughs) Would they know the technical terms? Can I just say, don't put out a vagina, put out a penis? I don't know. I assume my sperm were like children. That they would be children. I don't know. That's a weird thing my brain just did. <laughs> Tried to correct something for me. I'm like, I don't think it needs to be corrected. <laughs> no, I think this is right. This is how you talk to sperm. No, I think I nailed it. No need for a second take. <laughs> Wrapped it up in one. You're welcome. I'm a good sperm talker. Yeah, yeahs and wee wees. Like you leaving the room when you feel like you've just parented the hell out of a situation. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> Stop eating cheese. <laughs> I'm doing it very quietly so you can't tell. <laughs> Leave me and my turgid cheese alone. <laughs> Finish your story. It's not turgid anymore. It went limp. It's warm. <laughs> it was in a pool. <laughs> I'll put the cheese boner stuff at the end. Don't worry. Hey, guys. Steve here. Wanted to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Today I Learned Nothing. I hope you enjoy the show half as much as we enjoy creating it. You can follow more of our shenanigans on Twitter. I am at Idahobo, and Jason is at the Jason Ziggler. You better not make fun of that kid. He might do a Columbine. <laughs> voice is a little more Ross Perot-ish, but... Uh... He might do a Columbine. <laughs> exactly. I didn't want the funny part to be his voice. I want it to be what he said, so...